Hey listeners, we are trying something new tonight. That's right, we're switching it up. We have a guest host. Yep, Christina Basham is in the house with us. I prefer to call her Madam President. (laughs) You probably remember her from previous podcasts. She's the president of the Columbus chapter of the USBG, as well as the chair of the USBG Education Committee. She's also the owner and creator of Bubbles and Agave. And tonight she'll be speaking with Nate Howe. Yeah, let's get into it. Welcome to If This Bar Could Talk, a podcast about bartenders and the stories they have to tell, as well as the storied history of cocktails, spirits, and bars. Hello, listeners. I'm your guest host, Christina Basham, and my guest tonight is Nate Howe from Rye River Social. Welcome to the show, Nate. Happy to be here. So I've got some questions about your current workplace, Rye River Social. What can you tell us about that? Where is it located? How can we find them on social? We're in Grandview. Uh, We're in the old bar 145 space kind of tucked away in the back there um i'm pretty sure everything on social media is just at rye river social i know we're on um instagram and i know we're on facebook i'm not sure if we have a twitter account or not that's i i use this twitter exactly exactly (laughs) they tell me to make cocktails pretty and then they're going to take pictures of them and then you know after that it's out of my hands and what's your role there i am the beverage director and bar manager and how did you stumble into that position? Uh, honestly, it was um, it was really quality networking through the USBG. Um, it was uh, it was a, a thing with uh, Steve Labar. He uh, came to me and he's like, "Oh, a guy that I I know from my past is uh, going to be opening a spot where Bar One Forty Five used to be." And I immediately was just like, "Bar One Forty Five Pass." I'm like, "No." <laughs> That's not my scene. That's not what I'm trying to do. But um, but thanks for the offer. And he's like, no, no, they're going to go in and they're 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 gutting it. They're going to start a completely new concept in there. And I was like, all right, well, it never hurts to take a meeting. Let's sit down and, and see what they have to offer. And then I walked in and saw what they had done with the place. And I was immediately just like, nope, I want this. Whatever, whatever you're gorgeous. doing, I want to be a part of it. Um, and the, the thing that's really great is that... Um, you know, the owners are very knowledgeable about the industry, but this is kind of their first go into craft cocktails and fine dining. They're more of a beer and burger kind of background. So they've been very open to kind of, you know, taking my word for things and like, you know, listening and and not really trying to uh, tell me how to do my job, which has been, you know, a huge headache in the past with other places where it's like, you know, I understand that, uh, you know, owners put up a ton of money, but that doesn't mean they know everything. And it's really refreshing to work with an ownership group that understands that, you know, I'm in my position for a reason and they've been super easy to work with and kind of let me do my thing. And I think, uh, it's going really well. So hopefully it's just, you know, up from here. That's pretty amazing. Now I should have asked this, but how do we find you on social? Uh, you can find me on social. Uh, my Instagram is uh, Don Hobo. Which we'll talk about Which later. we'll talk about It'll later. Be very yeah. fun. And uh, that's pretty much what I use. I mean, I have Facebook in that, but I don't really do much with it. Uh, honestly, Instagram is just kind of how I keep in touch with, you know, people that, uh, you know, industry people, certain friends, and then I have my business following, so... Facebook is a deep, dark well of 
sadness and despair. It right really now. is. So I just try to avoid it. You know, it's like it's like the one that I use to keep in touch with all of my like elderly, you know, relatives. And... <laughs> so you're saying that old people use Facebook? Just kidding. I'm on Facebook more than any other social channel, so <laughs> that tells anything about my age. Yeah. I'm like, what is Snapchat? I don't even know how to use no, it. I do yeah. have one, but I don't. I actually can't figure out how to even get in there. Snapchat is a mystery to me. Uh, <laughs> I've never tried. Um, you know, even if Instagram filters is about as uh, mm-hmm. you know inclined as I get. What's your? Do you have that. a favorite? Instagram filter because I have developed one and I'm just curious if you have like one that you always go this to. is gonna sound really cliche but Amaro I mean oh I, I love it I like just like yeah the the, the kind of like it, it looks like a, a, a dark bar you yeah know? It's, it's like, like a sepia yeah. almost washed mine is Clarendon because I like really bold bright so sure. I like to like start too bright and then scale it back down probably all if I want to go unbalanced. brighter I use Juno Juno's good so those are my two dog so. patch is also a good one yeah check it out so um, you were talking a little bit about the uh, food and beverage at Red River Social and the fact that your owners didn't have kind of a background in that. So can you tell us more about the food and beverage and what people can expect when they come in to visit you? Basically, what we're trying to do is we want to give them like uh, a five star, you know, fine dining quality food, craft cocktails in a more relaxed social atmosphere. We want everybody to feel like, you know, they can come in. It's like if you want to get dressed up and come in and have a date night and sit and have a really fancy meal, we can do that for you. If you, you know, are just out with some friends and you want to stop in and you're wearing, you know, t-shirt and jeans and just have a couple of drinks, we want you to come in then too. You're going to feel comfortable kind of no matter what you're doing in there. It's just, you know, a place for everyone to come and hang out and just, you know, we want to deliver five-star service, but take kind of that pretentious side away from it. You know, it's like, just come in and have fun, you know? I assume there's a lot of whiskey on your There menu, is a lot of whiskey. That- we are we are whiskey-focused with, you know, our theme. And we're trying, I'm trying as hard as I can to put together a good whiskey list. But, you know, in a control state with limited allocation, it's, it's slow going. <laughs> Um, and coming off of a pandemic, the budgets are pretty limited right now. So we're we're doing the best we can. Um, we have a really great um, single barrel from Watershed. And honestly, luckily, we, we bought that before we opened. And as I sell that, the money that brings in allows me to add new labels every week. So it's been it's been a real win for us. Um, but with the cocktail program, whiskey people drink whiskey. They want it neat. They want it on the rocks. They mm-hmm. want an old fashioned. They want a Manhattan. They don't very much. Mm-hmm. So I put together a cocktail menu that really um, focuses a lot on all the other base spirits. You know, if you want, you know, vodka, gin, you know, agave, whatever it is that you're looking for, um, we want something for everybody on that list. So the cocktail program is very diversified because, you know, like I said, the whiskey drinkers. I could put together 20 fancy whiskey cocktails mm-hmm. and they're still going to be like, I'll have an old, an old fashioned or a Manhattan. Yeah. Yep. I think so. that's really smart um, because, you know, you look at demographics of who drinks cocktails and it's definitely more women drinking more clear spirits mm-hmm. and not to say that there aren't a ton of women out there drink whiskey, myself included, but think for your demographic of your area and Grandview, that was probably a really, really sharp move. Yeah. I mean, my last, my last gig was up in Powell and I feel it was very similar where it's like, you know, it's a little more of a, suburban feel it's you know people that you know they have money and they have you know good taste but uh they don't really venture out of their comfort zone they like what they know and that's kind of 
how I focused, you know, the cocktail menu may not be exactly what I'm looking to drink every night, but it's definitely something that we can market in Grandview very well. So that's at least awesome. that's what I'm going for. Yeah. <laughs> that's my story. I'm sticking to it. What's, uh, what's it been like during the t- pandemic? I feel like you had mentioned that your soft opening was supposed to be March 13th. Our like, soft opening was March your soft 13th. soft opening was March 13th. Friday the 13th. Uh, somewhere Ooh, along the so line, lucky. it was decided that it was a good idea to open on Friday the 13th and uh, everything was going to go smooth and nothing bad would happen. And sure enough, 48 hours later, we get the, the call that we have to shut down. And uh, it was rough. I mean... There's nothing worse than being in a bar where it's like you're coming off of a really great soft opening. Like we had friends and family in, the place was hopping, everybody was having a good time. And then, like I said, 48 hours later, you're in this environment where you've got three owners pacing the floors on their phones, calling, you know, whoever they can think of to find out more information, what's going to happen, what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden it's like, we're getting shut down. Um, you've got a whole staff that you have to furlough. You've got, you know, a kitchen full of food. You've got batched cocktails. You've got, you know, <clears throat> a couple of weeks worth of, you know, mixers and, and juices and stuff that, you know, we've put a lot of time and money into. And it's just like, well, where do we go now? Yeah. So it was it was a really dark feeling. Like we were all just kind of like, you know, what do we do? You know, you're just kind of at a loss. And um, luckily I said, our ownership group, they're great. They went well out of their way to reassure everybody that we're not going to let this stop us. It's like, we put too much into this. We believe in this. And it's like, as soon as we can bring everybody back, we're going to whatever we can do in the meantime, let us know. But, uh, but you know, you take that for what it is. Everybody says that, but you just don't know. And originally it's like, Oh, we'll be shut down for a month and then two months and then three. And yeah, the hits kept coming. I, uh, was kind of in between March 13th was technically my last day with middle West spirits. And although I still went back on Monday, um, uh, Sunday was pretty crazy for me because I was supposed to be transitioning to a job at the greater Columbus convention center. And two days later went in to fill out my own paperwork and then told my job was dissolved. So, um, it's pretty wild. And I think it's a great way to describe it. And, um, I think that I've seen a lot of really great support throughout our community. Mm-hmm. Um, people trying to lift each other up and just do what you can do. And I know everybody's kind of pivoted a lot within what they're planning to do. Some bars have turned more into bodegas. Um, what things have you guys done to kind of just <clears throat> offset the challenges? Honestly, there wasn't a a whole lot we could do without really redesigning our concept because, um, like I said, we, you know, the food program we have in there is, you know, fine dining quality and none of that travels well. You know, it's not like we can do to go food. And, you know, when you're doing craft cocktails, it's like you can put a few of them together as to go cocktails, but a lot of it, you know, if it's not, you know, mixed fresh, you know, or shaken properly or, you know, put together right, it's just not the same experience. You Mm -hmm. know, they just, they're not meant to, uh, to travel or be done at home. So really we kind of just, um, we took the time off and, uh, you know, I made the best of it. I was in there as often as I could, uh, putting together some barrel aged cocktails. Cause I was like, well, these will be ready when we come back. It'll be great. <laughs> um, kind of looking at the cocktail menu being like, well, when we come back, where can we maybe 
add a little bit of uh, bottom line profit. You know, it's like, let's put together some, some good cocktails that are going to be a little more, you know, cost effective because we're going to be coming back with really tight budgets, that kind of thing. Um, trying to make your program a little more efficient because you're going to be on a limited staff for a while. So like taking off egg white cocktails and, and yeah. replacing them with, you know, something where I can pre-batch, you know, so I only, you know, need one person working the bar instead of three. So it's it's that kind of thing. We were just kind of like, we wanted to stay the course, but, you know, we had to learn how to do it like on a, on a tight budget and uh, with limited seating when it finally did come back. So if you want to make money, learn how to responsibly batch. Exactly. <laughs> uh, honestly, it's like I will. That will be on my tombstone. <laughs> it's it's true. It's true. Uh, and, and that was one of the things when I remember talking with, uh, when I, when I was being interviewed for this job, they talked about doing kegged cocktails and I was like, keg cocktails are great if you can move a keg Mm -hmm. in three or four days, Mm -hmm. if it's going to sit for more than a week, it's going to taste different, Mm -hmm. you know, by, by week two. So I was like, I'd love to get there, but let's not open there. Mm -hmm. But you know, I, I like to batch, you know, what I can. I never batch anything with, uh, you know, citrus in it or anything like that. Anything yeah. that's going to degrade, anything that, you know, won't last at least, you know, a week or so. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, I'm happy with our, our, our menu right now. And I, I don't think it's, you know, really set us back too far. And we're already getting ready to work on the fall cocktail list. So Well, and that upstairs space that you guys have. So mm-hmm. we did an event um, just this past week. I had been working with... Prospero Tequila, doing some fun stuff for them. And they were going to be hosting Prospero and Clyde Mays whiskey are in the same portfolio. And so Nate and I both know Ashley Finch and um, Ashley Finch Brown, Crashly. She has a lot of names. Mm -hmm. And so she asked me to come on and do a a little Gave cocktail before this really very intimate whiskey tasting. And there's a Mm -hmm. really cool space if you walk in up to the right that is like, um, feels like a smoking room, beautiful bar, beautiful chairs, like velvet wingback chairs. And I was like, when can I come back here? Because this is yeah. gorgeous. <laughs> that was one of the selling points for me. Like when I walked in there, like, you know, there were no tables or anything like that. They were still working on, you know, the contractor was still in there. But the upstairs bar was pretty much finished. And I walked up there and I was like, this will be, you know, the room. This will mm-hmm. be like, you know, it'll be the laboratory. This will be the event space. And and yeah, we had a lot of fun. That Clyde Maze event was awesome because it felt normal. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, oh, we have people in doing a whiskey tasting and thankfully Ashley was local because it's like where are we going to get a rep to come and travel right now so it's like who's local and like you know and luckily Clyde Mays they make a great product and we we put together something great everybody you know had a good time it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun so got some cute pictures too um Leanne wants to know what is it like enforcing the wearing of masks and cutting people off at 10 (laughs) o'clock um honestly it's it's been relatively easy for us um the clientele you know, it's been, they understand it's like, it's the law, you know, it's like, there are times when, you know, we first reopened and, you know, we asked people to wear masks and, or to, you know, practice social distancing. And it was just our policy and they wanted to fight with us. But now that it's the law, it's like, well, what are you going to say? You know, it's like, I can't argue with it. You can't argue with it. It's Mm -hmm. the way it is. If you don't like it, you know, I'll be polite once after that. (laughs) It's like, come on, you know, but, gonna have to be firm with you now. Yeah, exactly. It's like I'm not gonna risk my liquor license, or, or you know, it's like we're still limited seating. I can't afford to close my doors again, and I'm not gonna, you know, do it for you just because yeah. you're too lazy to wear a mask. So, it's <laughs> it's a minor inconvenience for you. Feel bad for 
all of us behind the bar who have to wear a mask for eight straight hours, you know? Very true, because even just the hour-ish that I was in one, I was I was like, I'm not built for this. Yeah. I would be in big trouble if I was back behind a bar full-time, because I was sweating up a storm. Yeah. It was not cute. <laughs> And I can't even imagine, like, you know, the servers who are running around and they're out on the patio when it's 90 degrees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's rough. I mean, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, yeah. I think so we, if you have to wear it to come and sit down, come on, you know. I think we were all pretty spoiled in the ways that we're so lucky that this industry is, is so casual and you can kind of make what, you know, do you want to work three nights a week or seven? Do you want to, you know, you, cho- you can choose where you work. Do you want to work in a fine dining atmosphere? Do you want to work in a pub? Like you can find places that reflect your yeah. personal interests and, and kind of energy. And I think that we are really lucky to be able to do that in a lot of ways that a lot of jobs and careers are just kind of like, this is what your space looks like. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, I think we're quite lucky. I, I know there were points in my life where I was like, probably should not have made that much money for that amount of work because I had way too much fun. But like you also are sacrificing time, weekends, you know, physical like wear and tear on your body. So I guess there's a whole other side to that. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things where it's like, you know, I see most of my friends with three feet of oak between us, you know. Yeah, it's uh, and, and it's fine. You know, it saves me money, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it, it you know, I'm getting to that point where it's like, you know, there's the difference between the career bartenders and the people who are just like, I need a job. And, uh, you know, it's it's a tough it's a tough business to be in. You know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's like it's long hours. It's hard work. It, it's backbreaking labor a lot of times. But there's just a part of you that loves it. And mm-hmm. no matter how hard you try, you can't get away from it. So, yes, I understand that feeling. <laughs> Tell us about Don Hobo Tiki. Uh, Don Hobo Tiki is uh uh, a side project that I have that I've been doing for uh, probably about four years now. I mean, it's one of those things where I have been a Tiki fan, uh, you know, the drinks, the culture, everything that goes along with it for a very long time. It goes back to my childhood. And, uh, you know, when the Tiki, you know, resurgence started, uh, I started collecting mugs. And at, after a while, I ended up with about 750 mugs in my collection um it it got to the point where you know it was an addiction and they always say it's like when you can uh turn a hobby into a revenue stream it's always a good thing you know what's the the saying it's like everyone should have three hobbies one that you know an artistic hobby one that enriches them you know academically and one that makes them money so this is one that you know makes me some money i decided that uh as I got to know the the scene a little better, I was buying and selling a lot of mugs and, and trading, and then I decided I wanted to design my own mug, and uh, I, did, um, I did a design for Porca Lounge up in Cleveland. Love those and, guys. And, uh, yeah, Stefan came to me, and he was like, I want to do a mug. He's like, you know all the mug makers. Let's make it happen. And I was like, awesome. And I was like, what do you want to do? And he's like, I don't care. Make it look cool as long as it's interactive in some way. And I was like, okay. So we came up with this cannibal mug with a, a pig and it has a, a a garnish pick that goes through the pig and it has a little curly tail on the back and then you can put the cherry on the other end. That so it looks is like in the pig's mouth. And it, it came out looking really great. And uh, it came to life uh, Tiki Diablo out in California and a guy named Danny Gallardo, uh, who's incredibly talented. He he took my ideas and turned it into a mug. And then uh, when I did my first, I called him up again. I was like, hey, Danny, I've got this idea. I'm going to send you my really terrible sketches <laughs> because I can see it in my head, but I can't get it on paper. And uh, he made me 
uh, a really beautiful mug and uh, that came out about two years ago um, and it's been just kind of slow going since uh, about six months ago um, my buddy John Hampton who is uh, a bartender he was a bartender at Schmidt's for like 15 years and uh, then he's been at you know four string and kindred and now he's at Gamut in uh, Old Town East so he's been in the beer scene forever uh, he decided he was like hey you know let's do this tiki thing. And he helped me fund our last mug, which was um, an import mug. We had a thousand of them made. Uh, it's called uh, Moai Bob. And uh, the uh, the company in China that made them for us uh, messed it up and they sent us 500 of the wrong color mugs. So our thousand mugs turned into 1500 mugs because then they sent us the right ones. And, you know, it's great to have all that product, but it's, it's a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, inventory to move. So we're finally getting through that. And uh, we've got our next mug in the works now. We've got two actually in the works right now. So hopefully, you know, when uh, COVID wraps up and we can start getting back to the events and stuff, we'll have some new products to sell. Maybe one day we'll do a Bubbles and Agave Tiki mug. Yeah. And you can only put agave cocktails in it. <laughs> um, I see like pokey... So like fronds coming out the side. Um, <laughs> it's it's there's um there's actually um the somebody did a uh, an agave mug. It basically looks like um, a cut down pina. Okay. And um, I know two different brands. I think Patron was Patron one of them. has one for uh, sure. They Short did it, and stout. but yeah, and it was a it was a generic design. They just threw their, threw label, their label on, on it. it. But I could I could get you some. I want, throw your label. I want on the it, whole. But, I want the but you whole want the whole thing. Plant. Yeah. So basically, you know, you'd have to you'd have to. You have to make a pretty big mug, and it'd be really hard to hold, but we could do it. <laughs> we'll figure it out. It'll be great. Um, okay, so I have some kind of cheesy questions that I'm just really curious about. Okay. Um, guilty pleasure cocktail. I know you said you don't really drink a ton of pot cocktails, but if you were to imbibe. Um, guilty pleasure. Well, I'm like, I'm like, I don't feel guilty about any cocktail Good. that I drink. <laughs> Honestly, my, my go-to favorite cocktail is I like a really nice dry Tom Collins. Nice. It's it never gets old. You know, mm-hmm. it's like any time and like I said, you can go into pretty much any bar and find a decent bottle of gin and mm-hmm. talk them through. That's true. You know, mm-hmm. a nice dry Collins for me. You know, it's like you got soda, you got lemon, you got sugar. We can do this. Right. I'll tell you how to do it even if you Yeah, exactly. And I've I'll had be to, really nice about it. Like, but I've been to plenty of bars where they're like, We don't have Collins mix and I'm like, That's okay, you're in luck. <laughs> um, your go to spirit. Would you say it's whiskey? My go-to spirit is probably gin. Hmm. Um, it's been whiskey as of late, especially with this new job that I'm in. I'm, I'm always, you know, focused on, you know, what I'm doing in the moment. But it's like I, I usually tend to fall back on gin. I, I've always been a fan of gin. I don't know why. I just, I just love the botanicals, you know. Yeah. I also like working with gin because it fights back. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you can't just throw a mixer at gin and just make it work. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, it fights you back. So you got to learn how to nuance it. And I just kind of, I kind of like that. It's kind of stubborn like me. So <laughs> one of my favorite gin cocktails is really just, I mean, it's not a highball technically, but um, grapefruit juice, cinnamon syrup and gin mm-hmm. for like fall winter. It's, it's such a great, easy three part cocktail. And I'm obsessed with grapefruit in general. So mm-hmm. Um, but it's so fun. It's so easy. You know, you can sub a like split base pimento dram and simple if you need to, to kind of like create that. But yeah, I enjoy, I, I like gin a lot. I mean, I love agave of course, but gin is probably my number two at this point for the last couple of years. So I feel you on that. Um, 
You mentioned the USPG. Yes. And we love having you as a member of the USPG in Columbus. <laughs> and um, he's talking about his uh, crazy amount of tiki mugs. And during the pandemic, we did a lot of like um, weekly. We had weekly education for the state of Ohio. We had a happy hour every Friday, virtual happy hour. And we tried to do some other things. And um, he would come online and he would just see like floor to ceiling boxes in this office. And I remember thinking like, that's a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, living in uh, where I'm at now, it's like I do have a severe lack of storage space. So my office is also my warehouse space. So it's like, yeah, I've got boxes from floor to ceiling and, uh, you know, my little desk in the corner that if if you saw, like there's, there's a path you walk in and then there's the chair mm-hmm. and like literally I can just kind of pivot and grab anything in the room. So, so if you were a young bartender, what would you tell... Nate, how today? Or or what would you tell young bartenders in Columbus? Craft, not craft? Doesn't matter where they work. Like, is there any advice as a seasoned veteran of this industry? My advice um, for anybody, really, it's just like, never forget that we're in the hospitality industry. You know, I think back and, you know, it's going to sound cliche. You know, everybody's going to be like, oh, well, it's just what Gaz said, you know, where it's like, give them a good experience. It doesn't matter what you put in their glass at the end of the day because they're not going to remember that. They're going to come back because they had a really good time and you made them feel welcome, you know, and and that's what we do. And with this resurgence in craft cocktails, I see a lot of bartenders where they're more interested in, you know, being the craft mixologist and less interested in being a bartender. And I don't care how good your drinks are. If I don't have a good time at your bar... I'm not coming back, you know, and, and, or, you know, if you like making 15% tips, you know, <laughs> be worried about the glass more than you're worried about the customer. Um, it's one of those things We're the, we're the hospitality industry. Um, you drink what you like. If, if somebody wants to come in and, and, and drink, you know, Bud Lights all night, you give them the same, you know, attention and, you know, the same respect that you would give anybody who's coming in and ordering, you know, $80 shots of whiskey. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't so matter. Um, and, and you'll be surprised because, you know, as a bartender, you know, it's like when we go out at the end of the night, I'm not looking for craft cocktails. It's like, I just want to go out and have a beer and a shot and, and just relax. Um, and so that guy at your bar could easily be another bartender and you know, they're the best tippers. So it's just like, you know, don't judge people. Just, just, you know, remember hospitality first and, uh, and, and everything else will, you know, Will fall into place and if money's driving you it's probably not going to be a great career because at the end of the day no. you know every day is different and we yeah. like to make money and we like to have nice things but but yeah and and you know and 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 the other thing is if you do go to the craft side it's like you're never you're never going to make you know a fortune because you've got to love it i mm-hmm. mean i can always make more money serving beer and shots on a campus bar than i will making craft cocktails because it just slows you down you can't you can't turn the numbers and uh and you, you got to love what you do and, uh, you know, just take your time and, and, and learn as much as you can. It's, it's a, it's a constantly evolving, you know, situation, you know, what's popular now is not going to be popular in six months. Um, if you think you know everything, you really know nothing, you know, mm-hmm. it's like always be looking for what's next, always be open-minded, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and you'll have a lot of fun. You'll have more fun that way. Yeah. Don't take it so seriously. It's, a, you know, it's as much as you can spend thousands of dollars, you know, 
buying really fancy booze and really fancy glassware and, you know, setting yourself up, you know, to put out the fanciest, you know, crafted cocktails. You're not going to have any fun unless, you know, you're actually, you know, you're into what you're doing, enjoy what you're doing. You know, it's like you can't buy happiness. If you love this, you know, business, you're going to love doing it and you'll you'll do it no matter what. Um, It's nice when you get to play with fancy toys and fancy spirits. But, you know, like I said, that comes with, you know, time. Yeah. Join the USBG. Yeah. They bring it to you. USBG. Yeah. Lots of resources there for you. Bad, 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 shameless plug. Um, it's I'm, the I, best organization when you want to taste fancy spirits for free. I, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, once you pay for your well, whatever. But yeah. <laughs> um, USBG is actually considering making next year volunteer donation only. So that's a great opportunity for someone who Absolutely. can't stomach the 125 <clears throat> a year. I think that's great. I hope that it really allows us to get some new fresh blood and really be able to show people what the USBG is capable yeah. of doing. And of course, we're managing a lot of challenges right now. Yeah, it's rough. But. I, I don't want to assume that you have failed at anything ever because I'm sure that you've done everything perfectly always. But yeah, correct. Do you have a story about a challenge that you overcame? It sounds so cheesy, but it is always really interesting to see because people consider challenges so differently. Like something that might be challenging to you might not be challenging to someone else. But was there ever a moment that you were like, this industry isn't for me or like in your... your- there have been... Honestly, plenty of times where you just want to like hang it up and, and you just get frustrated. Honestly, my biggest frustrations have come from, I don't want to say, well. <laughs> we can edit. Poor, poor management, uh, poor ownership. Um, bartenders are viewed as unskilled labor by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um I have a very hard time with especially, you know, bar owners and bar managers who treat their staff poorly, who, um, you know, just don't treat them with the respect they deserve or anybody in the service industry. I have a hard time. It's like, you know, we work hard and we deserve the same respect as anybody. Just because you write our checks does not give you the right to talk down to us. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's a hill I will die on every mm-hmm. single time. It's like, I, I don't allow anyone to disrespect my staff. Um, and I don't allow, you know, I, I just don't allow us to be like swept under the rug. You know, yeah. it's like, it's like, you know, it's like what we do is a choice and mm-hmm. we work very hard and, you know, absolutely. you know, I don't, I don't care if you think I deserve the $25 an hour that I make at the end of the night with my tips or, or better. <laughs> I, I've I've gotten here because I'm good at what I do, and uh, and yeah, so I've died on that hill a few times. So, well, thank you for your insight, and I completely agree. And I will have to say that being in this industry 17 years, the way I was treated originally, being a server or an early young bartender, and now, um, you know, I think if you take yourself more seriously, then maybe everyone else will too. So that probably is a little nugget, like. Absolutely. Take yourself seriously. Be a professional. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be, you know, buttoned up. But that's also a lesson you can teach a lot of young bartenders. Be a professional. Yeah. You know, being a bartender doesn't mean getting drunk behind the bar every night. Right. You know, it's like be a professional. Be proud of what you do. Show up, you know, and and and, and put your forth your, your best foot there. And, uh, 
don't don't be the the drunk idiot behind the bar yeah you always think that you're way cooler i was that girl i definitely sure used to drink behind the bar in certain situations and you think that you are on fire and you are not no you're not no. <laughs> you are not well it's time for us to make a cocktail well i'm not gonna make it because it's not my cocktail can you tell us about the cocktail that you're gonna make i will today? tell you about the cocktail um this is actually uh the whiskey cocktail that I put together for uh, Rye River uh, because, you know, we had to have one good one. A on signature. There, I think. Yeah. And it's actually one now that um, I, I, I batched up um, before and it sold really well. And so I decided to turn it into a barrel aged cocktail and it's been going for about three months and it does develop nicely. So mm. uh, I, w- I would recommend if anybody is looking for a, a cocktail to barrel age at home, this is a good one for them. And what is it called? Uh, it's called the Scottsdale. Okay. Um, basically, uh, it's kind of a play on a Manhattan, so but it's got a little bit of a southwestern flair to it. Um, it's it's spiced with a little bit of uh, ancho reyes mm-hmm. and uh, a little bit of um, amaretto, so you're getting a little bit of almond, a little bit of chili, and uh, I use the um, amaro de angostura in it. That's good stuff. Because uh, it adds a little bit of sweetness, but um, it, uh, it it kind of pulls everything together really mm-hmm. nicely, and. Uh, it's made with uh, Middle West rye. I use that as the base. So the pumpernickel rye is pumpernickel definitely rye one is. of my favorites. I, I I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think it is the best distilled spirit in the state of Ohio. Yeah, I would have to agree with you on that. Well, we're gonna get to stirring, and we'll be back. Oh boy. This is delicious. Thank you. Will you tell me more about what's going on in this puppy? Uh, sure. I mean, it's a it's a take on a on a Manhattan, like I said. Um, basically, I, I I based it with rye. I used the Middle West rye, an ounce of that, uh, and then um, Carpano Antica. Mm-hmm. You know, you can use any sweet vermouth that you have. It's really, you know. A, personal preference of mine uh but i also hate the price point on that so if i'm at home i usually yeah. make things with uh kind of hurts a little bit yeah dolan's usually oh. my go-to i really like Koki torino a lot yeah like that's one of my other favorites as far as a sweet vermouth um and then yeah we fortify it with a little bit of uh amaretto so almond liqueur um ancho reyes so that's an ancho Can chili liqueur ancho chili liqueur yeah. which i'm pretty sure campari picked up this year with Montalobos. Yep. Um, I believe so right, yeah. really curious to see how that changes. So I remember many years ago, I couldn't tell you how many, um, when Ancho Reyes was first launching, it was only in, I want to say it was like New York and San Francisco or something like that. But um, I was in a tiki bar in um, Milwaukee and uh, the guy who owned it, who was the bartender that night, really nice guy. He's like, Hey, I've got this buddy, you know, who's a rep. And he brought me a bottle of this stuff and I loved it so much. I was like, can you get me more? And he sent him out a whole case of it. And he made us Ancho Reyes daiquiris. That oh night. Lord and Jesus. It is spectacular <laughs> and yeah. delicious. And I just remember being like, this is amazing. I need to have this. How have I not had How this? do I not I'm have really it? He's like, and that's myself. the thing is, yeah, he's just like, well, you can't get it. And I'm just like, well, you have it. <laughs> and he, and I was like, 
can you sell me a bottle? And sure enough, he's like, well, I can't sell you a bottle, but he's like, you know, buy a couple more drinks and you might get to walk home with one. That's all. So I was actually, I may have had the first bottle in Ohio. Um, I remember coming back and, uh, and and getting together with some friends and I was like, you gotta you know, try this stuff. Cause you know, we've all worked with, you know, chilies and stuff like that before, mm-hmm. but this one, it's really unique. Ancho chilies are, you know, kind of have that it's it's almost a fruitiness to it, like mm-hmm. a like a spicy raisin kind of mm-hmm. flavor. That's a great way to describe it. Actually, and, uh, it was it was just magic the first time, and then you know Reyes Verde came out, and that has you know the more traditional jalapeno flavor. But mm-hmm. I use Ancho Reyes in a lot of different things. I yeah. love it. It's it just you know it adds that little bit of bite, and so many people will drink something and be like, "Is there cinnamon in this?" And I'm like, "No, it's not." You know, it's like, "What's that?" Would you say it's your bartender's uh, ketchup? Remember that? Do you remember Saint what the Germain? original Saint Germain? <laughs> the bartender's ketchup. Oh my ketchup. gosh, bartender's what, not sure what it needs. Just put a little splash of Saint spa- Germain splash of Saint in Germain. there. <laughs> so funny, and then of course you know the Saint Elders and all the other like kind of duplicates of the elderflower. But. Yeah, see, honestly, I like Saint Elder because I think it's it's not quite as sweet as mm-hmm. Saint Germain, um, but. I remember living in, you know, I grew up in New England and I lived in the Boston area for a long time. And I remember when um, Absolute Vodka came out with their Absolute Boston and that was black tea and elderflower. Mm. And that's what got everybody started in Boston. They were like, ooh, what's mm. that flavor? I like that. I like that. And then, you know, then St. Germain started getting more prevalent and it was just downhill from there. I feel like it's making a comeback because I feel like the mid 2000s, I think it was 2008 when it was released and. I feel like when I was living in Denver in 2011 and 12, it was quite popular. Mm-hmm. And then, if you know, I don't either. I wasn't paying attention, and I feel like it definitely had its moment in Columbus, but not like it had its moment in major markets. Probably because it was more accessible. Um, but I feel like I've seen a few people who've been, you know, strong enough to use it recently. I'm guilty. And I'm like, yeah, good job. Like, it's not a, it's not. Bad spirit people just got hit over the head with it for too long it's like using peach or you know some of these other like yeah. quintessential flavors that people are just like okay can we do something else please? it's in my two most popular cocktails well, at rye river that's so. because it's delicious i go through so. cases of it i'm it's, like who's the rep for who's the rep for saint germain well actually i'm, I'm using i'm using saint elder so you're using saint elder i yeah. get it from heidelberg ah okay yeah. so and um, it's the price point is great, and I like I said, I think it's a good product. You know, I know it not, has a lot of fructose in it, but yeah. there's also another. And now it's totally I can't even think of it, Brandon. I don't know if Gaffard does an elderflower. Gaffard, no, um, and um, Bitter Truth does an elderflower. Bitter Truth does an elderflower. That's yeah. really good. Yeah, they do great. They both. I feel do. like I mean, we Gaffard never got to keep much too, yeah. of. I would take anything Gaffard does, and I mean, I think that if you are, it's like the mature, refined version of a bartender bottle, and the way that like flavored vodkas were like the thing that yeah. made bartender's lives easier like Giffard their portfolio is fantastic it's delicious yeah. you have it on your back bar you pair it with a clear spirit and a carbonate yeah. <laughs> you're like ready-made cocktail let's go that yeah my um <laughs> well you know while we're on the topic, like Giffard um I I do a Paloma and um I just use Giffard pamplemousse and soda water yeah and uh, a little bit of ancho reyes and some tequila and it's like it's just money Hello. you know yeah home run I would definitely drink that I don't drink cocktails but I would drink that one yeah that one sells really well <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, Gaffard can do no wrong. Um, they just, and they just, they just, you know, it's quality stuff. And know? it's not to say that there aren't better things out there, but I think when you're in a market 
or in a state like Ohio and a market like Columbus, like when you get a full portfolio and you know that you can trust the quality, mm-hmm. you're more likely to go, okay, I know that these two flavors were really great and I really need a framboise. Like I'm willing to go pick up that raspberry liqueur from them because I can trust that it's going to be quality. It just makes your life a little bit easier. It does. It really does. <clears throat> you got any crazy stories for me? No, I don't know what you're talking about. This is lame. I, I signed up for more. I'm a bartender. What possibly could happen? <laughs> Tell us the types of bars you've worked in. I have worked in a lot of different kinds of bars. I have been lucky enough that I have never had to work uh, on campus. <laughs> I I don't have the crazy drunken college kids. That stories. only happens on campus. Well, no, but it, you know what I'm saying. I honestly know it's like I um, my background was actually in in food. I um, and marketing. I, I started out out of college. I was in in the, the food industry. I was a I was a cook, um, and and that's honestly how I approach my cocktails now. It's just like you know I I I build cocktails the same way I used to build you know food, uh, and uh, cocktails were always a, a hobby of mine so luckily in my my formative years I was in back of the house and then um, I was into uh, I moved into marketing and I did a lot of uh, event marketing promotions that kind of thing guerrilla marketing stuff when I was living in Boston and uh, that kept me really busy and uh, it wasn't until I moved out to Ohio when uh, I started really getting outside of you know the occasional like you know helping out gigs here and there like I did a lot of catering bartending stuff and and that before but uh I started to take it more seriously and um I've always kind of found my way more toward the cocktail bars and less about the you know like the sports bars and the and the the campus bars uh what's your favorite bar that's not your own bar um do you feel comfortable saying that (laughs) honestly uh if I had to pick a favorite bar, it would not be in Columbus, and I okay. hate to say that. That's okay. But, uh, but no, I have um, I've got I've got a few favorites around town that I really enjoy going to. What's your favorite kind of bar? Let's just say that. My favorite kind like of t- bar. You like being in a tiki bar. Like I like vibe, being or? in a tiki bar. Um, but I don't know. It's like it, it depends on the tiki bar a lot because I I feel like with tiki being super popular, it's like I like being in a traditional tiki bar. I right. kind of like the old kind of claustrophobic, you kitchy. know, when did kitschy they last over clean? the top. Wait, exactly. You know, it's like when did they last clean? You know, it's I don't like, think they've dusted in here in a few. It's years. dark enough that I can't tell if my glass is clean. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I like a really you know well made cocktail. So mm-hmm. um, I don't want you know fruit punch and so it's kind of it's kind of tough you know like going into uh you know if i'm in vegas i like to hit up uh golden tiki i think their cocktail program is great i have yet to go um where frankie's you know, is a ton of fun but it's a it's it's a lot of fruit punch um when uh if i'm out on the west coast you know going to a place like smuggler's cove where they nailed it as far as like ambiance like three tiny little bars in one building that is just, you know, everything's kind of like falling off the walls mm-hmm. onto you. But the cocktail program is one of the best in the country, if not the best rum, you know, program in the country. Yeah. Um, you know, Martin Kate, he uh, he doesn't know how to half-ass anything. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, stuff like that. But um, I like I like cocktail bars that are small, you know, a little bit, you know, intimate feeling, um, not too rowdy. 
I like to be able to interact with the bartender. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to be shouting. Um, I, uh, I've had a lot of good times at service bar and watershed, you know, it's like both their programs are, are always on point. I can always go in there and I can always, you know, just get a good cocktail. I don't mm-hmm. even have to look at the menu. Most of the time I can walk mm-hmm. in there and know it's like, we can just talk about what we're feeling that day. And, mm-hmm. and that's been great. That's um, incredible. Right. Being for a, like to call for a whim and yeah. to be able to have a conversation uh-huh. about, you know, yeah. Like what your, what your vibe is like, yeah. I'm going to feel this way. Or yeah. It's like, is, you know, you just know. give me something citrusy with gin, you know, and like, let's, you know, make it happen. You can't go wrong. Like, yeah. Just, um, like all of us, I miss, I miss curio mm-hmm. with, with all of my being, yeah. um, uh, knowing that, that Travis put together the program at Antiques on mm-hmm. High, I was in there with a buddy of mine and it was the best quote was he was saying that Antiques on High is the methadone for the curio heroin addict because mm-hmm. you can, <laughs> you still get that vibe where it's like, you know, these, these cocktails came from, mm-hmm. you know, a, a really great place and they're doing a really great program. They have too, done a so. really good job. I know that they've had to adjust some things and, um, but yeah, they have a frozen jungle bird. They had a frozen jungle bird that like... Mm-hmm. It was like so dry and so tart. It was fantastic. So if I would pop in, I would get like a sour beer probably. And then like, or I would get that and that would kind of be where I would live. But, Um, but you know, I work in Grandview. So at the end of the night, I usually find myself at Meister's. Um, you know, I was just there with Ashley. That was shocking. That's where I run into Ashley more than anywhere else (laughs) on the planet. I was there for a round and I was, yeah. It was good to get out of there. Um, Like, this could be a deep, dark. (laughs) I like this kind of bar too much. I'm going to have too much fun. (laughs) Give me a neighborhood bar any day over. I mean, I go to where my friends work. You know, that's how that's where I've I've always tried to spend money with the people I care about. But like Eight and Sand Tavern, which I love Eight and Sand. I love Eight and Sand. I mean, honestly, we when I decided to buy my house, Jennifer and I decided to buy our house. Um on Hinman Avenue mm-hmm. before we had moved in while we were still in the closing process, Julia Sievertson, who had been like working side by side with me in Middle West was like, that was her territory. And she was like, you got to go check out Aiden Sand. And I was like, okay, perfect. So we went for happy hour one day and I was like, oh, this checks is all the boxes that mm-hmm. I have for, and they had bartenders who could make classics perfectly, you know, like Carl and Al and I mean, they yeah. have been, and Cecil, like they could absolutely knock out a classic if you really wanted it. But at the end of the day, they had a craft beer list that was great. They had a really great selection of national brands and local brands. And the vibe was just, and it was, it's like 0.2 from miles. Yeah. From, I mean, it's like five blocks from my house. It was and, great. And the food's not bad either. No, the know? food. I remember they had Shoshito peppers, seared Shoshito peppers for $5. And I had been living in the in Italian village right behind Mouton. So I was like, this is great. Everything is like half of what I would be paying in the short north. Yeah. Mouton's a great bar. I would get there more often if it wasn't in the short north. I tend to avoid the short north. I think that a lot of us feel that way, unfortunately. I was just there over the weekend to pop in for one to say hi to Jill. And it's, I mean, I think it it is, it feels really commercial and it just doesn't, it doesn't have that grit. Mm -hmm. It's like, it it even held on to a little bit of it for quite a while. And I think it's just kind of gone and it feels... A little bit like South Campus, but it's yeah. like you graduated and you moved from eighth and high to first yeah. and high, and now same yeah. with Denmark. You know, it's like they're doing a, a great program there too, and it's just like I've been in there twice. It's like where do you park? Where do you? I just yeah, it's like when I can after after a competition at the Joseph, I can wander down. There, yes, you know? right. Yeah, but uh, hopefully they'll be able to reopen after the first of the year. Yeah, um, 
but yeah, I mean, it's like I go out of my way to see my friends. Yeah. So that's the only time I ever get, you know, short North downtown kind of area. You know, I've been to Citizens Trust a few times. I'll go over to um, Great Southern, see Jesse. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's running a great program there, mm-hmm. too. Hopefully they'll get reopened again mm-hmm. soon. He's getting stir crazy. I know he's he's getting stir crazy. Yeah, I, can, I don't blame him. I would, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, I can't even imagine. Like, I know after a while I was stir crazy. But for him to have no idea when he's reopening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, how do you stay focused or excited mm-hmm. or. Yeah. Well, no fun stories. Not anything super fun today. I mean, I you got one. It can be it can be completely ratchet. What do you what do you want to hear? What do you want to know? I don't know. I want to hear about naked bodies. I want to hear about sex acts. I want to hear about like. You want to hear about intoxication you hear about that you didn't acts? you didn't overserve. Famous people, naked famous people in sex acts would be ideal. Like that's the All trifecta right. I'd be looking for. But I don't you know if I can hit that, that trifecta. Um, <laughs> I can give you a story of a very forward uh, young woman who came into my bar once. And uh, she started off her night, you know, very, you know, quietly. She was with her friends. She was with her mom. I believe at the beginning okay. and um, I'm pretty sure her mom was the worst influence on her because uh, <laughs> she had the cool mom that drinks with her daughter oh. and her friends. So, you know, uh, not a regular mom. A cool no, mom. no, a cool mom, you know, a cool mom uh, who loved to tell the stories about how they all went to spring break together and, and, and she went with, her she daughter? went with them. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, um, that's a very, that's not at all like the relationship and I had with the my And the funny mother. thing was, was like, you know, at the beginning, this girl was, she was the quiet one in the crew. And uh, uh, I think it was, you know, she was waiting for mom to finally, you know, leave. And they had four or five cocktails. It got to the point in the night where it's like, you know, they'd ask me for a cocktail. I'd put a water in front of them and they didn't know the difference. Um, mm. But she... You need uh, a cranberry vodka. That's actually cranberry. Yeah. <laughs> she, um... She started asking me about my personal life and getting, you know, very forward with uh, her her feelings on me. And uh, (laughs) I was flattered, but not interested at the time. And uh, at the end of the night, um, she took it upon herself to drop her glass right next to her stool. And I watched her do it. She picked it up and just dropped it on the ground. And so I come around the bar. I start sweeping. I get down with my dustpan and she grabs the back of my head. <gasps> and you can figure where <laughs> she put it. Yes, this is a good one. Oh. And at that point, it's just like, how do I respond to this? Oh I'm my like, God. it's like, this is not what I saw coming at the uh-huh. beginning of the night. You know, it's like I've cleaned up vomit. I have, um, you know, cleaned up many of mess. I've never had to clean the mess off my face. <laughs> that was so much better than I was ever expecting from you. I'm so glad. And that glad. is the first time I've told that story in public. I'm so... And now it's immortalized. <laughs> and now it's immortalized. On so, If yeah. This Bar Could Talk. Yeah. Yes, I'm so, so there you happy go, I was kids. here for it. Thank you. Get into bartending. You, you never know, know what's going to happen. I think, unfortunately, in my very young years... I wasn't that girl. I probably did worse, but with permission, if that makes sense. And I'm not probably allowed to talk about that because I don't think my wife would really appreciate it. But life is very interesting behind a bar. There's like a weird like power dynamic. Mm -hmm. And man, I felt really great about myself when I was behind a bar. 
Like, I'm like, I am in control of all of this. And The one thing I've never understood is like, I've always been, I, I always wear a hat. It's always just kind of been my thing since I, I was like. I don't think I've ever seen you without with a like hat. like 10 years. My dad's funeral, my best friend and roommate who I had lived with for five straight years walked in to the room, saw me standing there in a suit with no hat on, stared me right in the eyes, turned around and left, went down the hall looking for the other funeral because he didn't recognize me. So yeah, I've been wearing a hat pretty much every day of my life since I was 10. Um, What is it with drunk women trying to take my hat? Because you want, everybody needs another accessory at that hour, but you didn't bring it with you. It's just like... So you're like, that hat is going to be really cue on me you just have to let me show you i know that is that's been the one thing just like i just i'm never in the mood for that just like come on do you, <laughs> you know, keep do you a know, spare like, it's one of the things but, but at the end of the night do you really want to know like how sweaty and gross my hat is they don't realize that, yeah. though because they don't maybe don't realize how hard you're working therefore they're not processing no, they're like not, but jeans and lots of walking and lots of heat and like that's, yeah, that's, the, one, not, that's the one thing i could do without i mean just like just just leave my hat alone please well nate it's been an absolute pleasure I mean, I feel like I know you pretty well, but it's great to get to know you a little bit better. Go and, visit Nate at Rye River Social. I'll make you a drink and, and, and I'll tell you whatever story you want to hear. He'll tell you more stories. I have more stories, but uh, like I said, we got to save something. <laughs> it's true. I, I got to get you in somehow, right? Uh-huh. So if I want to come visit you and at Rye River Social, how do I do that? Uh, right now, uh, we're, at, we're at 955 West 5th. Like I said, we're tucked in the back where Bar 145 used to be behind the Firehouse Subs. And the hydration, which I always think is really hydrate smart that me. you have hydrate me and a bar in the same strip because although the crew from hydrate me, they get they down because they down. can go hook can themselves go up to a banana out. bag the next day. Exactly. Hello, they should be your best regulars. They should sponsor this podcast. <laughs> they really should. Um, but yeah, we're in the back there uh, right now. We have limited hours. We're open um, for dinner Thursday, Friday, Saturday, four thirty to ten, as long as we have this curfew. And uh, we're doing. Um, brunch on the weekends from 10 to 2 but those hours are all going to be changing really soon uh we're going to be adding more hours uh you know brunch hours might get pushed back a little bit because we've had more interest at two o'clock than we have at 10 o'clock so we might go 11 to 3 um so honestly follow us on social media at rye river social and follow and, you uh, on social media at don hobo d-o-n-h-o-b-o yeah it's d-o-n don underscore underscore h-o-b-o, H-O-B-O. So that's where you find me. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for hanging out. Cheers. Cheers. Salute. Listeners, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Seabus Craft Cocktail Tour. And visit our website at columbuscraftcocktailtour.com for cocktail tour dates, women and whiskey tastings, and other events and merchandise. Thanks to our producer, Greg Hansberry, and to the biographer for our original music. Please remember to drink responsibly, tip appropriately, and be cocktail curious. Cheers! This has been a Last Call Productions production.